the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn, and we've got a really good show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we'll be rebroadcasting an interview with Shaman Waldman talking about ancient DNA findings discovered in Erfurt, Germany, a little town in the middle of no place in Germany that they had to like stop a whole building project because they found all this stuff. This is a really amazing interview, and I'm sure you're going to really like hearing it. Second half of the hour, we'll be speaking about the portion of Vayechi, which is in chapter 48. It talks about it's the end of the book of Genesis. We've got Jewish music all over the place and a dynamic story at the end. This one's really poignant. It's like what goes around comes around. So before we do anything else, let's go right to Shaman Waldman. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. We have a special treat for our listening audience. We have Dr. Shaman Waldman, who is uh, from Harvard University and does engaged in ancient DNA studies, which is really cool just in and of itself. How are you, Shaman? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank God. Thank you so much for coming on. Okay. Ancient, the, 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 when I saw the article this week, um, I was just going to like flip right by. I saw this uh, headline, and it was like, okay, it's another headline. But something, something caught me about this: these findings of ancient DNA, and it's just like, so tell me about this work that you're doing on people who passed away six hundred years ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's very, uh, very interesting to work on this kind of data. Um, 
So actually, uh, it there's a lot of research in the ancient DNA field, but it was uh, problematic to do such uh, studies on uh, remains of Jews because, as you know, uh, the rabbinical uh, Jewish laws uh, prohibited um, disturbing the dead or the graves, open yes. graves. Yeah, so um, so you cannot do it just for a research uh, purpose. Um, but uh, my advisor, Shai Karmi, Professor Shai Karmi, he uh, find this uh, place in Erfurt where, so the story of Erfurt is uh, very interesting. Uh, they There was a, a Jewish community in Erfurt in Germany. Uh, starting from the, for, for us Midwesterners that we think that the world ends at Ohio, where exactly in Germany is Erfurt? Oh, so it's uh, kind of in the in the. Um, what big city is it? Near? Middle in in the middle. It was uh, actually it was uh, a border city between like the Jewish communities in the west of Germany and Jewish communities in the east of Germany. Okay. And we will talk about it later. But uh, yeah, so kind of in the let's say in the middle but um, but so there was a, a Jewish uh, uh, community over there and then uh, in the um, in uh, 1349 there was a, a pogrom uh, in the city and most of the Jews were uh, were killed um, but then a few years later the Jews uh, resettled in Erfurt uh, and finally they were expelled from Erfurt in the 15th century mm-hmm. and after they were expelled from Erfurt uh, the city uh, built a, a granary on top of the Jewish cemetery in okay, Erfurt. Let me, let me so how long do you think <laughs> Jews had been living in Erfurt well, going back to maybe even before the year 1000 like say the times of Charlemagne? No, they, they, it started in the in the end of the 11th century. 11th century. That, that was like the yeah, that was the beginning of the Jewish community over there. Um, okay. So. And 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 it was ended uh, in in the middle of the 15th century, where they were expelled from Erfurt, and like the the later uh, Jewish community in Erfurt was only in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. But so. We're so the, talking about this period between the end of the 11th century and and the 15th century. Okay, so now in my mind, the, let me interrupt, please. In my in my yeah. mind, when you say they built a granary, so a granary is not a very big building. So was this a very small plot of land that occupied the Jewish cemetery of Erfurt, Shaman? Um. So that's a good question. I uh, I I never been in Erfurt, so I didn't see it in my eyes. But yeah, but there's it's. I think it's built on like some of the some of the cemetery, and maybe other parts are just in the in the ground, but not like uh, not below of the of the granary, but uh, like in in other surrounding parts. Got it. Um, but but the granary is relevant to our story because it just it stood uh, empty uh, until uh, recently, and then like in in 2013, uh, the city uh, allowed to to convert this granary into a parking garage, 
Uh, and then they needed to build, build a ramp for this granary and they needed to ex- excavate uh, some of the of the graves in order to build the ramp. Okay, let me ask you. So, that. So let me ask you. So first, yeah. thing that, first thing that hits me is you, the United States is a very new country. The oldest building in the United States is 250 years old. This doubles that. This is a 600-year-old building, and they decide, yeah. oh, you know what, we're not using a grid. Let's make it a parking lot. That first, that's the first thing that hits me. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised, too. I'm, I'm from Israel originally, so, yeah, it's also not very, like, uh, common in Israel to just do, do this uh, convert a very old building into a into a parking garage but uh yeah okay so, so did people did people know surprising. that yeah. this five because in the united states if you build something and it's there for 100 years people have no clue what was underneath it there's no memory there's no record there's no nothing it doesn't say this is the former site of so did people know that 600 years ago this had been a jewish cemetery and there was a granary was this like common knowledge or it's like sort of like when they started excavating they said oh look no, what we so- found I don't think it was a common knowledge, but there was people that knew about it. That's why, like the the Karin, uh, who is the archaeologist over there, she went there and and uh, told them that it's uh, it's a Jewish. There is a Jewish cemetery over there because they had she had maps uh, that uh, specify where was the Jewish cemetery in the uh, Middle Ages. So. There, there were people that knew that this is a Jewish cemetery um, below this uh, this granary. And when they started to excavate it, like so, she she stopped them and told them, okay, there there is a Jewish graves over there, and we need to do a rescue excavation to to move this uh, this graves to a, another Jewish cemetery. Uh, there was never like a um, you and I cry. Like, how could you desecrate the Jewish cemetery and go put your ramp someplace else or put your parking lot someplace <laughs> else? Just leave the leave the cemetery alone. That that was not a, a an option. It was like we need to no. we need to move these yeah. these graves. Okay. Yeah, they 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 had to 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 move this uh, these graves, and in in that point, so uh, my advisor Shakami he found this place, and since the these graves were already excavated. He got a, a rabbinical approval to to use the teeth, detached teeth from the skeletons, uh, to do a, a DNA research. Okay. And the reason that we used only teeth is that the teeth are not considered as part of the body in Judaism. So we can use them to to do the to extract DNA and do the the research. Okay, so that probably answers my next question is. I would think we have the expression, you know, and it's quoted by everybody at most funerals, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And I was of the impression that after a bunch of years, like 100 years, there's not even a skeleton left. But you said that there were full remains after 600 years that needed to be transferred, Shema? Yeah. Um, so today, uh, DNA is extracted even from bones from like thousands uh, like uh, tens of thousands of years ago, so this is a relatively a very short time. Um, like six hundred years is is like very recent, and there's no problem to extract DNA from these bones. Uh, like some of the DNA is degraded; uh, it's not in the quality of modern DNA. But for sure, we can extract uh, 
a lot of DNA from this uh, okay. now, from this bone. Without our guest today is uh, Dr. Shaman Waldman. I'm having a great time. I don't know about you, Dr. Shaman Waldman. <laughs> we're talking about ancient DNA findings findings found in a Jewish cemetery in Erfurt, Germany. She is with the Reich Lab of DNA Studies at Harvard University. Um, so, without getting too geeky. How do you take a 600-year-old tooth and find anything besides the tooth fairy? <laughs> so we have in the DNA, there's uh, the, uh, sorry, within the tooth, there's uh, the DNA sequence that uh, we have in each uh, uh, cell in our body. And this uh, sequence of DNA have information about our ancestry. Because we, like each one of us, receive the, uh, their DNA from their parents that receive it from their parents and from their parents. So actually in each one of us, there's a lot of information about many uh, years ago. Yeah, and we can go a very long way in the, in the past uh, just using our, our uh, DNA. So when we have DNA uh, from these samples from Erfurt, that are that was uh, more closer than us to the uh, origins of Ashkenazi Jews. We can use this DNA to to study about the the ancestors of this community uh, in Erfurt, and also we can compare their DNA to uh, to the DNA of uh, modern Ashkenazi Jews to see if this is the same population. We can also uh, study how diverse they were comparing to to the modern Ashkenazi Jews. We can ask a lot of questions uh, based on the on the sequence of the of the DNA. Okay, that's so cool. and that's what we did in this study. Okay, wonderful. Okay, so my daughter was given a present. She got somebody said, "Here's a uh, I'm buying you a 23andMe, which is one of these DNA ancestry things." Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, she had it done. We had a whole WhatsApp party, and she revealed the source, and it came out that da da da. Our family's 100% Ashkenazi. No, <laughs> no surprise. Okay, so now, yeah. so I have this 100% Ashkenazi DNA. What did you find with these people that were? with the teeth from 600 years ago. So I think that the most uh, striking finding finding was that uh, they are, like Ashkenazi Jews today are uh, very uh, homogeneous genetically, very, very similar to each other. And these samples from Erfurt were much more heterogeneous than modern-day Ashkenazi Jews. Okay, so they were more different from each other than uh, than the average Ashkenazi Jews today. Um, so it, we realized that the, this homogeneous population, this modern uh, uh, population of Ashkenazi Jews, was not always like this, and that during the Middle Ages they were much more heterogeneous. We know from historical uh, records that there were uh, two Ashkenazi communities at the time, uh, one in the in the west of uh, Europe and one uh, in the east of Europe, and they were different, uh, like culturally wise. But we didn't know that 
there, there, there were also genetic differences. And our study suggests that the differences were not only cultural, but also genetics. And this, uh, this population were later uh, admixed and formed the community that we know today as Ashkenazi Jews, which is very uniform uh, community, but it wasn't like this in the, in the past. Uh, do we have the technology, the know-how to understand, like if we look at this gene, we could say, oh, this person had blue eyes, this person had brown eyes. So I'd like to know what's the differences that you were manifest. If I was uh, walking in Airfoot uh, 700 years ago and I would look at somebody and I would say, because I'm a, I'm a Chabad person, I go up to people and say, hey, are you Jewish? Would you like to put on tefillin? Would I recognize this person as, as being Jewish? You don't look so funny. You don't look Jewish. Yeah, so I don't know how the non-Jews uh, looked at the time, but uh, we tested some uh, traits like uh, eye color or uh, hair color, uh, and th- it was very similar uh, between modern Ashkenazi Jews and these Jews of Erfurt. The, so I assume that they looked similar. It's actually it's kind of striking that the continuity between uh, these samples and the modern Ashkenazi Jews, even though they were like the ancient samples were much more diverse, we we can see that they have the same uh, the same like ancestry source and that the gene flow from other populations into the Ashkenazi population uh, was very little since the 14th century. Uh, they there's a really like even though these people lived uh, with non-Jewish uh, Europeans around them, they almost uh, didn't admix with other populations from the 14th century to today. Um, so they were very similar. Okay, so if they were very similar to today, so how were they different then? What did you see differences? So, but they were very similar, but they were just like more. Uh, more diverse. There, there was. We had. We find at least two groups in uh, in our study, and one group was more uh, had more uh, uh, East European uh, ancestry. The other. Um, so and it 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 had more European ancestry than modern Ashkenazi Jews also. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a uh, this is a difference compared to the. To the modern uh, Ashkenazi Jews, okay, they were. So I'm going to so, ask. I'm going to ask a glib question. So, yes. can my daughter go back to 23 and me and say, "Okay, so I'm 100 percent Ashkenazi, but which 100 percent Ashkenazi am I?" Uh, so, the I, I don't know if if she can ask 23 and me, but yes, there are like very uh, in 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 the modern genomes there are very minor uh, differences between Ashkenazi Jews that arrived from Western Europe and Ashkenazi Jews that arrived from Eastern Europe. Uh, these differences are very minor, but there are some differences. What we, uh, what we showed in our study that these differences were much larger uh, if you're going back to the Middle Ages. But okay. the, we only see like these traces of this difference in, in the modern genome. Okay. But yes, so, yeah. good. Understood. Our guest today again is Dr. Shaman Waldman from the Reich Laboratory of Genetics at Harvard University. We're talking about DNA findings in the Jewish cemetery in Erfurt, Germany. I am. I am fascinated. This is like. 
beyond cool to tell you the truth, Sherman. Um, so uh, what it, Ashkenazi Jews have be, and I figured it was because over the course of the centuries, with the lack of transportation and communication. So there's a slew of genetic disorders and diseases which are inherent among Ashkenazi Jews, such that there are organizations where young people are encouraged, get yourself tested to see if you have this genetic disorder. So you shouldn't marry somebody with a similar type thing so that you shouldn't have, God forbid, a kid with Tay-Sachs or Kavanaugh's or or, uh, cystic fibrosis or any of those type of things. Did you find any of those type of things 600 years ago, Shaman? Yeah, so... We we detect uh, the, some of these uh, some of these muta- mutations that cause this disease also in the in the Jews of Erfurt from uh, six hundred years ago. Uh, so they also had these uh, these mutations in their genomes, and the reason for this uh, for these mutations uh, for the, that cause uh, uh, this disease that you talked about is that uh, the Ashkenazi Jews had a founder event or bottleneck. Uh, that's how we called it in the genetic studies. And the meaning is that this population uh, started from a very small group uh, of founders. And these founders had um, mutations like all of us had, right? uh, random mutations. And, but because uh, the, the, it was such a small group of founders. All of the population that later uh, descended from these founders had the same uh, mutation. And because they married with each other, so we see more uh, more of these uh, diseases in Ashkenazi Jews. And the, and the, we find that these mutations also in Erfurt meaning that they already experienced this founder event. They lived after uh, the founder event of the, uh, of the Ashkenazi Jews. So they had the same uh, mutations as the modern Ashkenazi Jews. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you a very difficult question. I'm warning you. You've, you've <laughs> got all this information. It's very wonderful. Oh, it's, it's very historic. I'm very proud of it. And I'm giving you major kudos to the whole organization. What practical thing are you going to do with this organization, with, with this information? What can we do now that we know the, di- the DNA structure, the genetic structure of Jews 600 years ago, how is that going to help us today? Um, so the purpose of our study was to, under- to get a better understanding of the origins of Ashkenazi Jews. We don't have a practical uh, implications of uh, like what uh, you can do with it uh, now, but rather we. I think it's very important um, to to understand the origins of this uh, of this population, as as we are trying to do it for other populations. So it just helps us to to get a better understanding of of our history, and that was the purpose of our study. Okay, would you be able to take it say back now that you have this piece of the puzzle? Would you somehow be, because the first question that asked me is 600 years is a long time ago. Are there older Jewish cemeteries that are being watched at this point, Shaman? Uh, so that's a question I don't know to answer. 
Uh, as I said, it's uh, it's harder with uh, Jewish uh, cemeteries and Jewish remains because uh, you have uh, strict uh, rabbinical rules, and so uh, I don't I don't know, but for sure it's uh, something that's worth uh, looking into because we there, there's still a lot of open questions about the history of Jews and the history of Ashkenazi Jews. And the relations between Ashkenazi Jews and other uh, Jewish groups, um, and if we have data, we can try to answer all of these questions. So um, uh, it's it's worth looking for for it. But I don't know if it, uh, if there are any other cemeteries that uh, excavated. Okay, good. Uh, I, one, right one, one more question. The year is twenty. Uh, where are we, 2020, 20, 2073, okay? And you're, mm-hmm. looking, you're looking back at your career, and you said, I had a successful career. Could you describe that, please? What does it mean for Dr. Shaman Waldman to have had a successful career? Um, that's a hard question. That's the hardest question. <laughs> um, uh, that's something I need to... To think about myself, but um, I think that if um, I will be able to to use um, the, these tools of ancient DNA and uh, modern DNA uh, to get people to to understand more about their history or the history of their world and where did we arrive from. Uh, I will be happy. I will be satisfied with that. Great. Are you planning on writing any books? Uh, no, not for the moment. Okay. Not not in any language. <laughs> okay. <great. laughs> no. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, now I'm focusing on my study. But, good. Yeah. Very good. I wish you much <laughs> continued less, much success. Thank you very much. Our guest today has Thank been you. Dr. Shaman Waldman. She's with the Reich Lab at Harvard University. We've been discussing ancient DNA findings at the Erfurt Jewish Cemetery in Erfurt, Germany. I want to thank you so much for coming on and enlightening us. And thank you. I, I feel my, that I'm smarter now. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank Th- you so much. It take, was great talking to you. Take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Show. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. 
Hey, Schultzman, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. I really found that very fascinating. And like I said, she, she definitely made me feel smarter when we got done. Up next, this is brand new from Benny Friedman. He's no stranger to the Jewish Hour. The song is called Rebbe, It's From You. Friday afternoon, gotta finish soon The holiest of toil with a mop and a broom Picking up the pace, no time to waste Till Shabbos arrives Whoa-ho. Friday afternoon, kids are coming soon Chilling on the fire and a Google or two This is the day we're waiting for Shalom Aleichem through the door Now our kids are gonna shine This is the time So tell me Sheet is here. Yeah, yeah. Vartora is prepared. Yeah, yeah. Are we hazarding the sheer? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got what to show. know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. 
Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. It's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Hey, Shulfanet here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. One week goes by. I don't play a Klezmer song. I hear about it. Sometimes I just do it just to get people to, to see if you're listening. That was not half the case last week, but because we were playing the remnants of the Hanukkah music, which was still coming out, but Hanukkah music is all past now. So this is the Klezmer Freilich Orchestra, and the song is called The Golden Chasana, The Golden Wedding. Klezmer Freilich Orchestra. I hope you like that. Up next, this is sort of wedding-ish. It's called Od Yashama, which Od Yashama is from the one of the blessings which is said at the wedding. But it's not the typical Od Yashama song. This is Yishai Reboy, 
And it's sort of a, uh, a heartful prayer that things just get better. Let's listen. of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. 
Herschel's women, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. This week is the portion of Vayechi. It can be found at the end of the book of Genesis, chapter 48, 49, and 50. Inclusive. The focal point of the portion is the blessings that Jacob gave his children. The story goes that Jacob wanted to tell his children when they were going to leave Egypt and when Mashiach, when the Messiah was going to come. He had this, he'd been blessed with this, you know, spirit of prophecy. Being a patriarch, after all, has its benefits. He assembled his entire family. And when they were all assembled, he forgot he said, it just slipped right out of my head. It must be that you're not worthy of knowing when the exile is going to end, which is probably a good thing being that to tell somebody 3,300 years ago that Mashiach is not coming for three millennia is not exactly the best news that you'd like to tell somebody. Maybe Jacob could understand because actually he's passing away that day and it didn't matter to him. But we yearn for the Mashiach to come every single day. So he blessed them. He said, listen, okay, so you're assembled over here. So I'm going to give you all a bracha. The first three blessings are not, doesn't sound like blessings. Okay, Reuven, he says, okay, your power, my might, but you move my couch. Okay, you move my bed. It was in some one of the tents and you put it to a different tent and thank you very much you should mind your own business and then came Shimon and Levi and Shimon and Levi he said you guys your anger it's terrible you should never uh oh, oh. okay and what happened with Ruvain so Ruvain they their portion of Israel is actually in Transjordan in what we call Jordan today on the east bank of the Jordan River and uh, Levi didn't get any land, and uh, Simeon, or Simon Shimon, however you'd like to call him, his land was totally and completely surrounded by Judah. He lived in an enclave like Hamtramck or Highland Park, for those people familiar with those geographical areas. So when it came to Judah to get his, it was like, wait... <laughs> So Judah get the blessing of the scepter shall not fall from his hand. Okay, so everybody's like, huh, okay, fine. So then the blessings started taking a turn for, like, they sounded like blessings. What What's the need for, for blessing? Why did Jacob feel that he had to do this for, to his, for his kids? It's a... Tell them what great people they are. But, you know, what's the idea with the blessings? So a blessing is like a portal. It allows the godliness to come down. And each one of Jacob's children were individuals. They all had their own way of doing things. They all, all had their own, their own thought processes. And even it says that when it came to prayers, they each had their own modality. They all had their own prayer book, for example, meaning that they each related to God in their own way. 
comes along Jacob, and he doesn't just bless them all. My children, I'm blessing you such and such, which would have been very effective. But he gave them all individual blessings, meaning for what each one needed to survive. And take a look at chapter uh, 49, where all the blessings are. It's one of those sections where little kids in school are uh, encouraged to learn by heart. Everyone is an individual. Every one of us relates to God in our own way. There's no right way. There's no one right way. There were 12 paths back in the times of the, of the tribes. There's (laughs) now there's probably, you know, 16 million Jews. There's 16 million paths and everybody's unique and everybody's an individual. And we all relate to the almighty in our own way. And we all have this blessing. We all have this portal for godliness to come down to us. What's the deal with a portal? The word bracha, meaning blessing, is related to the word bricha, which means an irrigation ditch. Which is an irrigation ditch is you have a river and you want the water to get to the field. So you dig a ditch and then the water flows into the field. But you got to move the water into the field. Once the water's there, you got to like, you have to like water the field with it. Okay. It's just a, uh, you've got a creek now running through the field. It doesn't do any good as long as if the water stays in the creek, you have to water the field now. So that's the deal with the blessings. They're there. They're waiting for you. You have to tap into it. And be successful and live happily ever after. Speaking of which, we have to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Hey, Shulzman, here you're listening to the Jewish Hour. Would you like to get in touch with me? Easiest way, go to my website, Rabbi Finman, R-A-B-B-I-F-I-N-M-A-N.com. And there, you'll find a, right on the homepage a way to contact us. I love it when it's not hard to find the contact page. You know, dealing with uh, publish book publishers are are it's unbelievable. If you want to contact a book publisher, they I, maybe they do this intentionally, but it's like 
you have to go through pages and pages of web web design before you get to something that says, oh, you want to contact us? And then it gives like a whole list because these are major corporations, some of these book cover, book publishers. And it's like, well, which one do I want to contact? And then inevitably I'll send out a letter to Ewan and they'll say, no, 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 you sent it to the wrong department. We'll send it to the right department for you. But, you know, no. With RabbiFinman.com, you don't have to worry about that. You can uh, just contact me, and I'll contact you. And I, like I hear, like this week, I didn't play any Klezmer music, and I heard about it from the Klezmer people, and uh, that's fine. Okay, just want to make sure people are listening. That's a great thing. We also have archived editions of the show. You can go back many years and listen to whatever you missed. And sometimes maybe you're thinking, you know, Rabbi Finman, I remember such an hard thing about, uh, I mean, let me go back and look and listen again. It's right there. We also have archived editions of the E-Parsha, the U-Parsha, ways in which we present Judaism in an interesting and an entertaining way. We also have the very important donations page, which we definitely need you to go to it's the end of the year it's the end of the month we haven't paid for november yet and so it's november december and uh we're not worried this you know salem communications is uh very patient with us we've uh been at salem communications since 2009 so uh this is uh <laughs> month to month we've been doing it for quite a while and the Jewish Hour has basically been doing month to month now. We're coming up to 30 years. March will be 30 years. March 4th is our anniversary, one of our first show. And I don't know what uh, how to how to time it this way. So the first week of March will be 30 years. We'll we'll do something. We'll we'll break out the funny hats and the and the little noisemakers. But it's only because people like you have been listening and have been going to Rabbi Finman at the donations page and have been donating whatever it is, however much it is. If you want to do $5 a month and make it a regular donation, that's $60 a year. That's great. Okay. Want to do a one-time donation? Also very good. Just, you know, it's, we, we, (laughs) it goes to support a great cause. It's tax deductible. We're part of a 5013C corporation and which includes Jewish Ferndale, Michigan Kosher Supervisors, the Yeparsh, and other things as well. And uh, coming up at Jewish Ferndale, January 7th, it's a Sunday. We have a book talk with uh, author Borah Cohen. We had him on the show a couple weeks ago. We'll be talking about his new book, Thinking Outside the Locks. It'll be a brunch at 11 a.m. There is a $10 charge to cover brunch. And you can get a, buy a book and have him, the author sign it special for you. So you want to do that, and you can check that out on uh, jewishferndale.com. Okay, <clears throat> the year is 1945. <clears throat> the, the war is over in Europe, and Jews are stationed, excuse me, Americans are stationed all over Germany doing various different things. And there's a Jew by the name of Alex Luria from Duluth, Minnesota. Young man, he's 20 years old. He's a, he's a private first class. And he's stationed in this little town. He's on it. They made a base, a whole bivouac thing over there. 
And he got off Friday night, and he figured, you know what, I'm going to check out what's doing in the town over here. And, no, excuse me, it was uh, before 1946. This was, uh, what was he doing there? Now that I'm thinking about it, what was he doing there? He was there in the 30s. But anyway, I'll, I'll have to check this story again. So he went and he visited this town. Oh, wait, it was 1917. That was right. Now I get the dates right. Let's go back. Okay, Alex Luria, Duluth, Minnesota, 1917. He is in Germany. They're doing a mop-up operation for World War One, And he, Alex Luria, is goes into town for a Friday night, and he comes and finds the synagogue, and he walks in. And people are like looking at him. Here's this guy. He's wearing uh, American American Army uniform. But a certain Mister Rosenau, Herr Rosenau, approached him and you know welcomed him in and asked him what's he doing. And he, they were able to speak in Yiddish. And uh, Mister Rosenau invited him to his house. And Friday night they had Friday night dinner and uh, they sang songs and it was a very lovely evening. And Alex remembered it tremendously. And he remembered the whole family. He had it, this, the Rosanos had a teenage daughter. The war is over. Alec went back to uh, Duluth, Minnesota, got involved in uh, selling, uh, buying wholesale and selling retail, became very wealthy in Duluth. And uh, the Rosanos did pretty good too. And their daughter married somebody by the name of Eugene Weinberg, who was also in the furniture business. 1938. It's uh, 21 years later. Things are uh, not going so great for Jews. So it says that uh, Mr. Rosano's grandson, his, his daughter's son, was filing through some old papers. Oh, wait. So after the war, so Alex Luria wrote a letter of thanks to the Rosano family for extending their kindness and the warmth of the Shabbos and he remembered it always so this kid finds this letter and says look it's an American stamp can I have the letter father the grandfather said sure he takes the letter home and he shows it to his mom look I got this stamp with his American letter with an American stamp she opened up the letter and she read it and she saw she remembered this guy I remember that soldier and then she thought We have to get out of Germany. Things are getting tough. 1938. And she sat down and composed a a letter. But the letter was addressed. (coughs) Alex Luria, Duluth, Minnesota. No street. So he figured she'll, she'll do what she could. And it just so happened that the person in the post office, you could do this in 1938, the person in the post office knew Alex Luria gave him the letter. This is a letter of introduction requesting that that Mr. Luria sponsor them, because you needed to have a sponsor to get into the United States after 1923, because immigration was slammed shut, and he readily agreed. And shortly thereafter, the whole Rosenau clan, was able to come, and they settled in New York, and uh, the Weinberg family settled in Duluth, Minnesota, 
and you can check it up online, that yes, there's still a Weinberg and Luria family still living in Duluth. There's not that many Jews that live in Duluth. Robert Zimmerman, also known as Bob Dylan, is from Duluth. And that's the story. And we hope we had a chance to entertain you. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. And the idea being is, 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 you know, one good turn deserves another. You show kindness to another, and you get kindness back. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.